Good morning, church. Kevin and I uh, have been, been joking this week uh, because, you know, last week he, he uh, you know, he, he got the text that's like, fear not, little flock. It's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So comforting. Um, and I got, he'll cut you in pieces and throw you out with the unfaithful. Um, and I think it is important. I think it's, it's good to say that, that uh, this is Jesus just continuing to talk, right? It's the same Jesus uh, who, who says all of these things. Um, and I always find Jesus to be surprising you know, when you really read him, when you really read what he says um, and, and not just have the caricature of him in your mind. Um, when, when we moved into our first house, when my wife and I bought our first house a couple years ago, uh, we were really excited. Uh, you know, we went to the title company. We'd never done this before and sat down and, you know, signed the papers and our hands were cramping because you have to sign so many, uh, you have to sign your name so many times. Uh, and and we, we finished, it was, it was a done deal, you know, money's transferred, all that stuff. Uh, and, and then, so we, we, we got in our, our car uh, and we drove the kind of two miles down to the to new house um, we, it was, it was a, it's an old, it was an older house. And so we were going to do some renovation on it. And, uh, and we, we pulled up and there was uh, there was some cars there, some cars in the driveway. And so we were, we were kind of puzzling and, and I remember walking in the side gate and when I saw uh, around the back patio table, I saw some people just sitting there smoking cigarettes, like taking a smoke break. I was like, man, they're not ready. <laughs> right, they're not ready. Uh, and we walked through the house and there's still stuff on the walls and still stuff not even put in boxes. Um, and they weren't, they weren't ready for us, right? We had to, and we had to give them extra time. We, we, couldn't, we couldn't start that day uh, like we had planned to. And today we're gonna, we're gonna look at this text and I, I think what Jesus wants to say to us is to be ready. He wants us to be ready. It's in verse 40, right? Jesus says, you also be ready because the son of man is coming at an hour you don't expect. I wonder if you believe that, if you believe that Jesus is coming. Son of man is what he calls himself. It's Jesus' favorite title, kind of how he's speaking of himself. And I wonder if you believe it. If you're here today and you're skeptical of what Jesus said, maybe you you don't know about Christianity, you don't, you don't, uh, you know, you don't know if you believe it, then I, I just ask you to consider that, that it might be true. Right, just to, to say man, for the sermon, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna consider the fact that it might be true. Right, Christians, we, we've we've always believed, and our faith has always rested on a, a, a historical fact. Right, the historical fact of the resurrection of the Son of God. Right, that Jesus did, in fact, he was crucified, he was buried, and that he rose again. And just like you can look back at a historical fact, like uh, you know, like Napoleon was a, the ruler of France, right? Uh, that's the right country, right? Napoleon, France. Uh, okay, thank you. Uh, the, <laughs> the head nods are real helpful sometimes. Um, right, and, and just like, I mean, I, I can't prove that to you. I wasn't there, you weren't there. You hadn't, didn't see Napoleon rule France. Um, but what can we do? Well, we look back at the historical record and we go, well, based on the eyewitness accounts, based on the, the historical record that we have, I think we can say with pretty good certainty, Napoleon was the ruler of France. In the same way, Christians have always looked back at the resurrection of Jesus, right? And we can't go through all the evidence, but we look back at the, the, the first hand, right? The, the eyewitness accounts of people who saw Jesus rise from the dead, who saw him dead and then saw him alive again. Um, and you look back at the historical evidence and, and you have to go, it seems reasonable that he, yeah, he actually did rise from the dead. And that's where it starts, right? For Christians. And then of course we have a personal experience with Jesus that solidifies it further. Uh, but, but think about it, right? If, if he is alive, 
right? If Jesus did rise from the dead, um, then it's not just reasonable for us to think he'll come back. It's required. <laughs> we have to, because we have to believe what he said, right? And he said, the son of man is coming. He will come back. If Jesus is not alive, man, go home and get ready for the Super Bowl. Like, they, like why are you even here? What are we doing? This, this is all pointless. But if he is alive, if he did rise from the dead, then in fact, he is coming again. And if you're here today and you, you do believe that Jesus is coming back, my question for you is, are you ready? Are you ready? I, I, I do, I have to point out, this is such, it's grace that Jesus would prepare us for the future, isn't it? What, how kind is he to show us? How kind is he to speak to us um, and, to, and to want for us to be ready? He wants you to be ready for the future. He wants to be, for you to be ready when he comes. Isn't that kind of him? And we're, we're gonna see today three ways that Jesus tells us to be ready. So let, let's pray um, and then we'll, we'll jump right into the text. I wanna give you a moment uh, just in your seat just to pray for yourself to ask God to speak to you. If you would, would you pray also for me that I would be faithful to God's word, I would be helpful to you. Lord, you know us, you know our weakness, you know our frailty, you know our distraction, you know um, everything that's going on in everyone's life in this room. And so we need you. Would you please come? Would you please speak? Holy Spirit, would you, uh, would you lift up Jesus today? Would you help us to understand? And would you prepare us? for when you come. We ask this in Jesus' name. The first way that Jesus tells us to be ready is that to stay alert and vigilant. Stay alert and vigilant. This is verses 35 through 40. Um, verse 35 says, be ready for service and have your lamps lit. Uh, be ready, that the word there is, is actually gird, gird up your loins, right? It's a, Bible, good, it's a good Bible phrase, gird up your loins. Uh, we should bring it back. Uh, it, comes from, uh, it comes from the, in, in this time, uh, men would wear long robes, right? And so uh, you couldn't run in those, you couldn't do hard work in those. And so when you were gonna do some kind of physical activity, you would gird up your loins. You would literally take the robe and tuck it into your belt so you were ready to move. Um, it comes from the Exodus passage, right? In, in the Exodus 12, the Passover, when uh, God tells his people, get ready to go, pack your bags, put your sandals on your feet, gird up your loins. You're gonna eat this meal ready to go because I'm about to deliver you from Egypt. Um, and so that, this is a, a, an image of constant readiness. Gird your loins, be ready to move. Uh, and, and then have your lamps lit, it says. Have your lamps lit. Uh, you can imagine before electricity, before electric lights, how dark it would be at, at, in the evening, at night. Um, and so this is a, a, a 
command to, to be ready to go at, at all times. Or you couldn't do anything in the dark in the dark if you didn't have a lamp, if it wasn't ready. If you, uh, you couldn't just turn on, on the light or have a flashlight. And so have your lamp lit, have it ready to go, to be ready to move at any time. Right, be be uh, constantly ready. And then, and then he uses, uh, in this section, he uses two illustrations, right, to kind of help, help us to get ready. Uh, verse 36 is the first one. You're to be like people waiting for their master to return from the wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks, they can open the door for him at once. He says, it's like your servant and you're at a house and your master's gone away to a wedding. It could last two, three, five, seven days. You don't know how long it's gonna last. Uh, but, but, and you know, so you don't know when he's coming back. But when he comes back, you wanna be there and be at the door and be ready. Or you wanna, you wanna be able to open the door and go, sir, welcome home, glad you're here. Let me take the donkey for you. Let me help you. Right? But you wanna serve him and be ready to serve him. This was the, the servant's responsibility. And, and, and it, it says, blessed is the one that, that the master finds awake and finds alert and ready when he comes. Even if he comes at, at, in the middle of the night, near dawn, if he comes at 3 a.m. And, and the master's coming home and saying, man, probably all my servants are asleep. Who's even gonna open the door for me, right? He comes, he knocks on the door and you're right there. Hello, sir, welcome. I'm glad you're here. We've been waiting for you. Let me help you with that, right? What is the master gonna think of that servant? Man, I like this guy, right? He's got it together. Blessed is that servant, the one who's ready. The second analogy is in 39. But I know that, but know this, if the homeowner had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. Okay, back in this time the, in, in uh, Palestine, the houses were made of um, clay, like mud. And so you, the thief would actually dig through the walls sometimes, right? Could go to the back of the house, dig through the walls when you weren't ready and take your, uh, you know, steal your stuff. And uh, what he, you know, what's he saying? Well, he said, you know, it's, it's like the same thing here with us. If you knew a thief was going to come to your house at, on March 21st at 4 a.m., right, you wouldn't let him break in. You would be ready at that, point, at that time to, to scare them away, to call the police, whatever, uh, right? Of course, you would, you would do that if you knew. That's the whole thing. You don't know when the thief's coming. You have to be, how can you keep your house from being broken into? You have to be vigilant. You have to be watchful. You have to be ready at all times. It's when, they're, you're, it's when your back's turned, that's when it's gonna happen, isn't it? And what's he saying? He's saying, be ready. You don't know when, when I'm coming. You don't know when the Son of Man's gonna, gonna appear. All right, the, 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 I, wonder, I wonder if, if you're ready. All right, if... if, if um, I wonder if, uh, if, if he came tomorrow, if he came next week, if he came in a month, if he came right now before this service is over, would you be ready? As I was studying this, uh, this section, I, I, I realized... Um, the, the, the structure of it is really interesting. And if you're, a, if you're a Bible nerd like me, then you'll enjoy this part. If you're not a Bible nerd... Sorry, I have the mic, so uh, <laughs> we're going to talk about it. Uh, but this, this section is actually, it's called a chiasm. I don't know if you've ever heard of this. It's called a chiasm. We can throw it up there. So it's actually, there's a parallel structure, right? And this is, there's chiasms throughout the Bible. Um, so you might start to see them now as you read. It's pretty interesting. But you can notice that, at, like, see the A at the top and the A at the bottom? Uh, they're parallel. So two verses about being ready, right? Be ready for service. Be ready. Um, you can see the B, B at the top and B at the bottom are uh, the two, two examples of someone being ready, right? 
pretty clear. Um, then you can see the C's, or the C's in the middle are both, both uh, verses about blessed are the servants who the master finds alert. They're both, they're parallel verses. And then the, in the middle, that X is, is the center of the, the chiasm. Um, and uh, this doesn't have a parallel, right? It doesn't have a, a parallel verse in, in the structure. And what, the, what authors of the Bible uh, use this for is to emphasize something, right? And what it emphasizes, what, what the chiasm is always emphasized is the, the middle, Right, the thing in the middle, that's like the, the, the emphatic point. And so what is the, the middle of this chiasm? What is the, the emphasis here? Truly I tell you, it says he will get ready, have them, the master will get ready, have them recline at the table and then come and serve them. Right, it's, it's the same word, gird your loins. The master will gird his loins. The master will get ready himself and have the servants sit down and feed them a meal. Now, would this have ever happened the master gets home at midnight after a long journey and says, hey, you, you guys sit down. I'm gonna serve you. No, <laughs> right? This not, Jesus, this isn't a real to life example. So what, what's Jesus teaching here? What's he saying? I, I think this is pointing to the grace of God, isn't it? Right? We, wouldn't we be just over the moon if we could just be servants of the Lord? If we could just serve at his table Right, we could just serve him for the rest of our lives. That would be more than we deserved. But that's not what we receive in Christ. Right, we are not only servants, we are friends of God. We are children of God. And we will sit at the marriage feast of the Lamb and he will serve us. We will feast together with him. What amazing grace that we've been given. This is the master, <laughs> not just a master of serving servants, the God of the universe serving his creation. It's incredible. And he says, stay alert and stay vigilant. I, I, I've had conversations with college students who've told me, you know, I'm, man, I'm going to live, I, I'm just going to live my life how I want. I'm going to have fun. I'm going to, you know, milk life for all it has to give. And, and then later on, I'll, I'll have time. I'll have time to get, get it together and, you know, start going to church and get right with God and all that stuff. When I have a family, when, 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 when there's some convenient time later on in life, then, I, then I'll get ready. Right? But, but that's not what Jesus says here. He doesn't say, get ready when it's convenient for you. When everything lines up in your life and it's, it's nice and uh, you have the extra time, get ready for, for my return. No, he says, be ready. Be vigilant. Be ready at all times. You don't know when he's coming. You don't know. The Son of Man is coming in an hour you do not expect. Stay alert and vigilant. The second thing, the second way that Jesus prepares us and tells us to be ready is to do your job. To do your job. Uh, Peter's question in verse 41, Lord, Peter asked him, are you telling this parable to us or to everyone? Um, it's, a, it's an understandable question. He, in this passage, uh, in this chapter, there's been, uh, it's like the disciples and the crowds together. And Jesus has sometimes been talking to the disciples and sometimes to the crowds. And so Peter seems to be trying to clarify, who, who is this for? <laughs> who are you talking to? Is this for us, for everyone, the whole crowd, whatever? What, what, what does this mean? Um, and Jesus doesn't directly answer him, as he often doesn't. Uh, he often answers questions with questions. Um, and, and, but, but I think from, from what he says here, we can say this does apply to everyone. Right, this applies in some way to every person, some, some more than others, right? I think we'll see that in a minute. Um, but it is for everyone. We can all learn from this. 
In verse 42, he says, uh, Jesus said, who then is the faithful and sensible manager his master will put in charge of his household servants to give them their allotted food at the proper time? This manager is a steward. This is who Joseph was, right? Joseph in Egypt, you remember he was uh, Potiphar's steward. He was over all of his household. This would have been uh, the, the servant who's kind of in charge of running things, in charge of keeping everything going, uh, accounts receivable and getting the supplies and making sure uh, you know the kitchen had what they need and that they can get meals on time and take care of everyone in the household. This is what a steward would do. And, and Jesus says, who, who, who is the person that the master is gonna make the steward? Who do you think he's going to make a steward, the steward? Give him responsibility over his whole house. Verse 43, blessed is that servant whom the master finds doing his job when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all of his possessions. Right, well, who's he going to do? It's the faithful one. It's the one who does his job. The master's going to go, say, going to go away for a month as a test and say, hey, you take charge of this stuff, right? You take charge of the house. You operate as a steward until I come back. He's going to go away and he's going to come back. When he finds it all in order, when he finds the house is, is taken care of, people are taken care of, everything's running, uh, he's going to say, well done, good job. Like you, you, here, here's more, more responsibility. You can have charge of it all. It makes sense. But there's an alternate option, right? And, and Jesus dives right into it in verse 45. But if that servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and starts to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk, that servant's master will come on a day he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the unfaithful. Right, if, if, if the steward says, we can say, I don't, I don't know when he's gonna come back. He was supposed to come back last week. He's not, coming, he's not gonna come back this week. I don't, I don't know if he's gonna come back ever. Right, and he just starts to, what? Abuse people, starts to, to uh, mistreat, to beat uh, the, the male and female servants, meet, mistreat others. Now starts to eat and drink and get drunk, starts to, uh, to indulge his own pleasures, right? Not doing his job, but instead just indulging his pleasures. And what does it say? Then, then the master's gonna come at an hour he doesn't expect, cut him in two. That's literally, he says, cut him in two and assign him a place with the unfaithful. And you might think that's, that's kind of harsh. Seems, or to our ears, that seems like a harsh punishment. But I think it speaks to the fact that, that Jesus is not amused with people who mistreat others and who indulge their own pleasures. Right? What do you want him to do? Let him off the hook? No. Right? And, and I think we can say, and, and uh, you know, commentators will point out that this seems to apply uh, specifically to church leadership, doesn't it? To people who have been given a lot of responsibility. Doesn't scripture say, not many of you should become teachers because you'll be held to a higher standard. And so to pastors, to church leaders, Right? It, it, it does not go well for pastors and church leaders who mistreat and abuse people and indulge their own pleasures. Right? And we should stand in fear. <laughs> right? It is a fearsome thing. We need your prayers. Pray for your pastors. Pray for your leaders. Verse 47, and the servant that servant who knew his master's will and didn't prepare himself or do it will be severely beaten. But the one who did not know 
and did what deserved punishment will receive a light beating. From everyone who has been given much, much will be required. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, even more will be expected. Right, I think this is saying, and I think you see here how it applies to everyone, right? Everyone who's been given much, much will be, whoever's been given something will be required of him. I think it's saying that judgment is fair. You see, judgment is fair. The one who knew what he was doing, knew he was doing wrong, gets worse judgment than the one who didn't know he was doing wrong. It's lighter judgment. God's judgment is just. He repays people for what they've done. And and, and I think this is, you know, we we know this in life. Um, if, If someone is made the CEO of a company, right? They have position, they have power, they have money, they have stock options, Right, then, then they should be held to a higher standard, right? Yes, that's right, right? And, and so Jesus says, it's that, it's that. If you've been given much, you'll be, much will be required of you. And so for us, what, what, do we, what do we learn here? The master's coming. The master's coming. So what is your job? And are you doing it? Where has God placed you? What family are you over? What family are you a steward of? If you're, if you're a member of our church family, right, we have responsibility to each other, don't we? That's why we have a membership covenant that says, I will encourage, I will hold accountable, I will serve, I will give, right? This is what we, we, we have responsibility to each other. You have responsibility as a part of your workplace, as a part of your neighborhood, as a part of your community. Where has God placed you? And are you doing your job? Are you doing your job as a steward? Right, someone who, who, your life is not your own, your time is not your own, your money is not your own. It, it, it belongs to someone else and you're managing it for them. What have you been given? Right, everyone's been given something different, haven't they? You, you, you have certain abilities, talents. You have resources. You have relationships. You have opportunities. Many have been given much more than you. Many have been given much less. But, but we're not to compare ourselves with others, right? What have you been given? And what are you doing with those things? How are you using those things? I think there's a misconception in the Bible Belt that Christianity is just fire insurance. I said a prayer when I was a kid, so I'm good to go. That's like the steward saying, he made me a steward at the beginning. I'm good to go. I can do whatever I want. That guy's getting chopped up. Do you have a living relationship with Jesus Christ? Are you walking with him? Stay alert and vigilant. Do your job. Number three, expect hardship. Expect hardship. Verse 49, I came to bring fire on the earth. 
and how I wish it were already set ablaze. Fire in, in the Gospel of Luke is, uh, it means judgment. It's God's judgment. If you remember what John said about Jesus back in chapter three, he said, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I'm not worthy to untie the strap of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing shovel is in his hand to clear the threshing floor and gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with fire that never goes out. Jesus, he is the judge. He is the judge. We, we, I think, sometimes like to think of Jesus as shepherd and friend and savior, and those are nice things to think of him as. But we, I think we often shy away from thinking of him as judge. But he is. He's the judge. Uh, John 5, 26, for just as the father has life in himself, so also he grant, has granted the son to have life in himself. And he's granted him the right to pass judgment because he is the son of man. Do not be amazed at this because a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good things to the resurrection of life, but those who have done wicked things to the resurrection of condemnation. Jesus is the judge. And when he comes, he comes as the judge. Life for some, condemnation for others. Right? And, and I think modern people, we don't like to think about judgment. But, but let me just point out a couple things here. One, this isn't just an angry God passing out judgment willy-nilly. No, no, we just saw, he, he gives people exactly and specifically what they have earned, what they deserve. Right? He's just. He's a just judge. And, and, but Christianity is, is really unique here. I think there's no other system, there's no other God like him. Right? Because uh, Jesus was willing to enter into the human experience. He was willing to enter into all of us, our human experience, and to experience judgment himself. Right? Look at verse 50. But I have a baptism to undergo and how it consumes me until it's finished how it consumes me until it's finished. I, I think the window into the mind of the Son of God on earth is so interesting here. He, he, he's consumed by this, dry, this passion, right? To, to do what he came to do, what his father sent him to do. He's consumed by it. And he says, it, it's, I have a baptism to undergo. What does he mean? Well, he's not talking about his baptism that John gave him at the beginning of his ministry, right? Because... That one's already happened. He says, I have one to undergo. It hasn't happened yet. What's he, what's he speaking of? He's speaking of his coming death. He's speaking of his coming death. Jesus had a baptism of fire to undergo. Right? As he would on the cross take the fire of the wrath of God, do sinners. Right? He died in our place for our sin. And he says, I, I, I wish that would happen. I, I want to get there. He's anxious to accomplish what he came to do. Verse 51, do you think that I came here to bring peace on the earth? 
right, which is really, that would be an obvious, if I'd ask you as we walked in, did Jesus come to bring peace on the earth? He was like, yeah. Right? Didn't, didn't the angels say, peace on earth, goodwill to men when he was born? Didn't Isaiah call him the prince of peace? Seems like a reasonable answer. Do you think that I came here to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. He says, no, don't expect peace now. Expect suffering. Expect division. Expect opposition. Expect hardship. Even families will be turned against each other. But maybe this shouldn't surprise us either if we're paying attention to Luke because do you remember what Simeon, the prophet, said to Mary when, when he, she and Joseph brought Jesus to the temple on the eighth day? He said this, indeed, this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel and be a sign that will be opposed and a sword will pierce your own soul that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Peace will come. He is the Prince of Peace. He will bring peace, but it will cost him dearly. Right, it costs, it will come for Jesus through a baptism of fire. And it will cost us dearly. Right, it will cost us relationships with our family members, with friends, with those we love. Our allegiance to God has to come before allegiance to family even. And and eternal peace will ultimately come through judgment. You can't separate Jesus. You can't separate his mercy and his justice. You can't separate his grace and his wrath. It all comes together. When the kingdom comes, when he comes, he comes as a judge and as a savior. He can't just come as one. He is both. Judgment and mercy come together in the one who died and rose from the dead and who's coming again. And he wants us to be ready. Be ready to stay alert and vigilant, to do our jobs, to expect hardship, expect suffering as we go. And if you're in here today and you're not following Jesus, you should. I hope you will. Won't you consider him? Won't you think about it? Won't you, won't, you, won't you submit to him? Won't you give your life over to him? Because listen, I don't know how long you have. None of us know how long any of us have. Right? I was speaking with one of our retired police officers uh, at the end of the last service, he was just saying, yeah, I'd go to work and, man, it'd be a body. They didn't think they were gonna die tonight, but they did. Right? I'm not trying to scare you. That's just, this is reality, isn't it? None of us knows. We don't know. I don't know how long I have. And, and I want you to be ready. Like, do it now. Submit to the Lord now. Pray all night. Don't go to sleep until you've, you've sealed it. Be ready with with him. He's he's gracious and merciful. He's good and just. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
So won't you call out to him? If you are a follower of Christ in here, I wonder where the Holy Spirit is leading you to prepare for the great and awesome day of the Lord, right? The, the time, the day when he comes. Take an assessment of your life. Take an honest assessment of your life, your family, your church, your school, your work, how you're serving the poor, how you're reaching out to the lost, how you're making disciples. Like, like look at your life honestly and, and then make the, the, I would encourage small sustainable changes right, that need to be made. And ask for help. Ask for help. Maybe you're like, oh, I just, I don't know where to start. It seems overwhelming. Man, ask for help. Come find one of the pastors. Do you know, like, that's what <laughs> we love. That's what we're here. We're, we want to help you follow Jesus, right? You know, like, I don't want to bother him. Like, that's not bothering us. Like, we, that's the best question. <laughs> hey, I want to follow Jesus better. Could you help me? Yes, right? This is why we do it. Ask, ask someone in, in, the, in the church family. Right? So many of you are so faithful. Right? So many of you are so faithful and you're such an encouragement to me and you love the Lord so much. And so if, you, if you're either fine, if you see someone like that, you're like, I want to follow the Lord like them. Go ask them. They would love to hear that from you. Would you help me? I, I, need, I can't figure this out. Ask for help. Ask for prayer. Maybe, maybe at the end of the service, you need to go back to the prayer team in the back. And ask for help. I don't know why a lot of us aren't doing that every week. I, I'm, do we not want to feel weak? Is that it? It's like, oh, I don't want to think people think I'm, something's, I'm weak, something's bad in my life. <laughs> Newsflash, we're all weak. <laughs> so we can either sit here and pretend like we're strong or we can just go actually receive some grace and help. Like ask for prayer from people. All right, apprenticeship to Jesus is a lifelong journey. And we, we need each other to follow him. At the end of our lives, right, when, when that time comes, or when he comes, if he comes before then, we, we want to be able to say, don't we, what Paul does at the end of his life. All right, to Timothy, he writes this, for I'm already being poured out as a drink offering and the time for my departure is close. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I have kept the faith. There is reserved for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not only to me, but to all who love, who have loved his appearing. I want to say that. Don't you want to? I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. How can we say that? How can we get to the end of our lives and say that? Do we just grit it out? Just be faithful by the force of our will. Make it happen. Right? I think there's a hint in that last line. Not only to me, but to all those who have loved his appearing. to all those who have loved his appearing, who have wanted him to come, who have, who have looked to him and said, come Lord Jesus. Why did Paul endure what he did faithfully? Shipwrecks, beatings, 
imprisonment, slander, threats on his life, the anxiety of the churches, being a pastor of so many churches, right? Why did he endure what he did? Was it because he feared God? Yeah. Right, and we should fear God, shouldn't we? He can throw us in hell. Anyone who fears God is dumb, or anyone who doesn't fear God is dumb. (laughs) But I don't think that's what got him through. Fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. But it's not where wisdom leads. What, what does Paul say? I consider everything as loss for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things. Count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ, be found in him. Not having righteousness of my own that comes through the law, but that comes through faith in Christ, right? He, he says, I love Jesus. What got Paul through? He loved his appearing. He wanted to see him. He loved Jesus Christ, right? Why did the master, why did the, the, the servant stay up all night waiting for his master? I don't think it was just fear. I think he loved him. He loved him. He wanted to serve him. Why did the steward, why would the steward be faithful over and over and over, no matter how long it takes, be faithful forever until, until the master comes back? Because he loves him. Because he loves the master. He can't wait to see him. He wants to make him proud. He wants to, he, he, it's done everything for him. And willpower will not get us through, brothers and sisters. I've tried it, (laughs) right? And it just doesn't last. What gets you through is love. Do you love the Lord Jesus? And how 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 do we love the Lord Jesus? We remember what he's done for us. We remember all that, that he would serve us, that he would give his life for us. That's why we sing, that's why we we praise, that's why we do everything that we do. And when we love him, we'll be able to say with John in the last verses of the Bible, uh, he who testifies about these things, that's Jesus himself, says, yes, I'm coming soon. And we'll say with John, amen, come Lord Jesus. Amen, come Lord Jesus. May we be ready. Let's pray. Just take a moment in your seats to be with the Lord. To respond to him, to his word. To confess, to ask for help, to thank him. I don't know what the Lord's doing, but take a moment and be with him.
Father, we thank you for your grace, the grace of your word, telling us what we need, the grace of your spirit to challenge us, teach us, correct us. We thank you for the grace your good pleasure that you delight to give us the kingdom and we thank you for your judgment that you will make everything right Lord you know our weakness you know our frailty you know how quick we are to forget get distracted get caught up in things we just have no business caught up in have mercy would you prepare us so that when you come we won't shrink back in fear but instead we will welcome you with open arms we love you father all in the name of Jesus. Amen.